The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. It's time for the Culture Club and we're joined tonight by The Last Word's favourite American. You're used to hearing him on a Tuesday every week and on other days occasionally as well. But we've never actually asked him to do the Culture Club. So we're rectifying that omission today. Cal Thomas, thank you very much for doing this for us. Matt, all I can say is that by having me on, it's another demonstration that standards are falling everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to have an enormous catalogue of material to work with because you're just a few days short of your 80th birthday. Congratulations. Uh, I can't believe it. I used to think that was old. And what do you think now? (laughs) Uh, I think I'm just beginning. (laughs) Excellent. But it also means that you've had experience of an enormous amount of music and books and plays and everything that we can talk to you about in Culture Club. And music clearly is a major part of your life, isn't it? Well, I wanted to uh, be in show business when I was young. I loved musical comedy, and I memorized a lot of full scores. I even remember the piccolo part in I Could Have Danced All Night in My Fair Lady. And uh, I went to a couple of New York auditions, got called back, and I had a pretty reasonable singing voice. But there were an awful lot of other people there who had far better singing voices, and I like to eat regularly. So I decided, since I was uh, already at NBC News as a copy boy, a low-level job but still in the door, that I probably ought to stick with that profession. Uh, but I still love musicals and mu- the musical art form. And did you take part in them when you were in high school and in your college years? Well, we, we had a little artistic show in, uh, in high school, and uh, I did a couple of things there. But in college, by then, I was already uh, working at NBC and had a full schedule in school, and uh, there was no time for anything else. But I loved going to the theater. I saw all the musicals that came through Washington, D.C. on uh, tryouts before they went to New York, and uh, they were just wonderful. I saw Carol Channing in uh, Hello, Dolly. I saw Anna Marie Albergetti in Carnival, and uh, so many other wonderful shows. I remember one weekend in New York, I saw five shows in one weekend, Friday night, Saturday matinee, Saturday night, Sunday matinee, and Sunday night, and came home dog-tired. But the shows were like, Who Was Afraid of Virginia Woolf? And uh, Albert Finney in uh, Luther. And uh, let's see, what else? Oh, Oliver had just opened uh, the Lionel Bart uh, show. Uh, and Sid Caesar and Little Me. And these, the tickets were seven, six, seven dollars. Now you can't park for that in New York. I can imagine there may be some of our listeners frantically Googling at the moment, who are all these people that Cal Thomas is talking about? So let's go back to the first record that you remember buying, Bill Haley and the Comets. Well, this was the uh, introduction to uh, rock and roll just before Elvis Presley came along for me. And of course, uh, his famous uh, rock and roll hit, Rock Around the Clock, was the theme song for the movie uh, Blackboard Jungle starring Glenn Ford, which was all about a teacher with unruly, black-jacketed students chewing gum and smoking in the boys' room and early teenage rebellion. The type of things you did as Everything a I did, yeah. Everything but the tattoos, yes. <laughs> Let's hear a little bit of Bill Haley and the Comets, Rock Around the Clock. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock, we're going to rock. Around the clock tonight, put the glad bags on. Join me, hon. We'll have some fun when the clock strikes one. We're going to rock around Four, if the band slows down, we'll 
there's Rocker on the clock and I wish we had a video camera in here for this because I've now seen Cal Thomas play air guitar. There's the sight I never thought I'd see. So many unseen talents, Matt, so many. Okay, but then the first album I believe that you bought was Elvis Presley. You know, uh, Elvis was a major um, factor in every teenager's life. I had the privilege of seeing him twice, once at the height of his career at the Astrodome of all places in Houston, Texas in 1974. And he rode around in a, in a Jeep around the track. Uh, the place was sold out. Uh, the acoustics weren't all that good, but he... I think, was the greatest live act I have ever seen. Yes, uh, Elvis... So this was only three years before he died. So what sort of physical yeah. condition was he in at that stage? I saw him uh, about uh, eight weeks before he died in 1977. It was terrible. He clearly was on drugs and um, was forgetting words to the songs. And it was very sad. But in 1974, he was, at least in this performance, he was still okay. But of course, one of the great live performances, I didn't see it in person, but I've seen it many times on video, was Aloha from Hawaii. That was just overwhelming. And the opening where he comes in in a, in a helicopter, and then his uh, opening number, Thus Spake Zarathustra, and the drummers, and I mean, it's the buildup is unbelievable. He comes out in this white outfit with uh, all kinds of uh, sparklers on it and starts with C.C. Ryder, and it was overwhelming. I mean, and when you saw him in Houston in the Astrodome, mm. how much of that big spectacular was involved, or was it sort of just about the music that time? Yeah, it was pretty much about the music. You know, I, I think his manager, uh, not exactly uh, nicely played by Tom Hanks in the uh, in the latest movie about Elvis, but uh, you know, I think he ruined his life. He would never let him travel to Europe, where he very much wanted to go. But Parker, of course, uh, had this uh, criminal conviction in his background and feared that he could not get back in the country if he left the country, so he didn't let Elvis go either. And I think that was a, a real shame. We, all of Europe wanted him. Japan wanted him. But uh, he was at the height of his powers uh, in 1974. It was a fairly rapid decline after that. What did you make of the movie, the Baz Luhrmann movie that came out recently, which you referred to Tom mm. Hanks playing mm. Tom Parker? I thought the uh, young actor who played uh, Elvis did a very good job. It, it's difficult. You know, starting it's like trying to play Jesus in a movie. Everybody has their expectations. But I thought he did quite a good job. He studied, I read, uh, for almost two years, watching Elvis videos, listening to the music, uh, imitating him. And uh, I thought he did a very credible job. And the movie itself, did you like it? It was heavily edited. There, Some of the uh, uh, reviews I read um, didn't like the way it was uh, edited. It was but too jumpy. At too jumpy in many spots, yes. And I thought uh, there was too much of Colonel Parker. I mean, Tom Hanks can play almost everything except uh, Geppetto in the current Pinocchio movie, according to the reviews I've said. It said it's a real turkey. But uh, I, I didn't I didn't like him playing Tom Parker. I, I, I just didn't think it fit all that well, although he did a good job. Let's go back to your favourite album. <laughs> and you have it as the original cast recording of My Fair Lady. Why mm -hmm. have you picked that? Well, it was the uh, second musical I ever saw. I saw a uh, summer stock production when I was 14 in our state of Maine. And that's how I started really getting interested in music. I was playing clarinet in a in the high school band at the time. And uh, I could read music and uh, really loved music. And many friends who were musicians, uh, drummers, trumpeters, French horn players uh, in the band. And uh, I really enjoyed music. And 
uh, when My Fair Lady came out in the uh, I think 56, 57, um, I didn't see the original cast, though I saw Julie Andrews, uh, who played Eliza Doolittle, of course, later in Camelot. But uh, I just loved it. I thought everything worked. It was really the perfect musical with the perfect actors, Rex Harrison, Julie Andrews, and uh, the songs were, were fantastic. And I just fell in love with the show. And we'll talk to you about your love for Julie Andrews <laughs> in a second. But first, let's hear her from the Dinah Shore Chevy show singing I Could Have Danced All Night. I could have danced all night I could have danced all night and still have begged for more. I could have spread my wings and done a thousand things I'd never done before. I'll never know what made it so exciting. Why all that? So Cal Thomas has gone from playing air guitar to flapping his wings. <laughs> Cal, you have met countless American presidents, mm. but I believe none of them left the same impression on you as Julie Andrews did when you got to meet her. <laughs> Probably because she never became president. Uh, I waited for her outside the Majestic Theatre in New York in 1962, right after a performance of Camelot, and it was raining and she came out quickly with her headscarf on and ducked right into her car, and I missed her. But years later, uh, when I got to know Carol Channing, the star of Hello, Dolly, and many other things, gentlemen prefer blondes, um, How to Marry a Millionaire, I uh, asked Carol if she would send uh, Julie a note if I wrote it to her, and she said yes. So I uh, wrote her a note, and I began, How to Begin a Letter to a Woman I Have Loved All of My Life. And I said, uh, you know, I quoted a song from Camelot. And she wrote me back and said, How sweet, how nice. Maybe we'll meet someday. So there was a uh, function for her luncheon in New York, which I went to, that was uh, honoring her and Carol Burnett and Robert Goulet flew in from Toronto. And uh, I went up to her and I said, Julie, I'm the guy who waited for you in the rain. Oh, hi. And we got a picture. So when I got a show on Fox, I invited her on and she came on. And if you go to YouTube and type in my name and Julie Andrews, you'll see the biggest suck up interview you've ever seen in your life. I mean, I just loved her. I said, you know, you made me fall in love with the musical art form. Hold on. What did you talk to her about on Fox? I thought Fox was all about just right wing political rants. How does that tally with Julie Andrews? Not on my show. We had a, I had a show for two, two years and we had on uh, political people, uh, Democrats, uh, liberals, conservatives, Republicans. And we also had on showbiz people and uh, a lot of actors, uh, singers, other people came on and uh, it was a lot of fun. I was really living the dream I had when I I thought I wanted to go into show business. Now the news has become show business, so I've arrived. We have two bands that you want to nominate mm. as your favourite. <laughs> Let's start with one from the big band era, uh, Glenn Miller. Mm. 
Well, you know, that's really uh, my parents' generation music, but uh, I always uh, loved it. And, of course, uh, in the movie Big, uh, starring Tom Hanks, there's that wonderful dance scene where uh, they're playing, um, oh, not in the mood, but the, the uh, Moonlight Serenade. And there's this wonderful scene where uh, Tom Hanks is dancing with this woman, his co-star. And it's one of the ro- most romantic Close on no bad language scenes I have ever seen in film. It's just overwhelming. And uh, I just love his music, all of it. It's in the mood we have, though. <laughs> piece of music Glenn Miller in the mood now Carl Thomas I think people might be a little bit surprised by your next musical choices the other band that you've picked is arguably England's finest ever the Beatles Beatles were an incredible band I had the privilege of meeting them at the uh, uh, British Embassy in Washington on their first American tour in 1964 and uh, I bumped into Ringo Starr and he turned around and looked at me I'm very tall and he's about average height. And he said, ah, there's a tall one. And that was the extent of the conversation I had with Ringo Starr. <laughs> but the place was packed. You couldn't sit down. And then 50 years later, uh, the British ambassador threw a party for those who had been there 50 years before. And I was invited. And everybody dressed up in the style of the clothes uh, during the day. And the woman who uh, was regarded as... Uh, 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 with great jealousy by other women, was the British ambassador's wife who uh, was able to dress in the same clothes she wore then and had not put on any weight. It was amazing. And, Even with the go-go boots, I might add. But the music appealed to you as well, didn't I not just the, having met them. Yeah, I love the music. I mean, John Lennon was uh, was brilliant. McCartney is still out there. I mean, he's, he's my age, and uh, he's still performing. He's, it's amazing. Uh, uh, Ringo's out there too on occasion, but Paul McCartney's still touring. The ticket prices are unbelievable. They were, uh, he was in Miami a few weeks ago, and I think the top ticket price was uh, $9,000. I passed on that. <laughs> I was just about to say, no bother to you. <laughs> Let's hear a bit of the Beatles, A Hard Day's Night. Uh-huh. It's been a hard Here you say you're 
Beatles classic there, A Hard Day's Night. Cal Thomas it is with us for the Culture Club. Mm. And let's get to your favourite singers. And let's talk about your favourite Irish singer, who you've mentioned many times over the years in this programme. And I've met you with her. Mm. Your love of Mary Black, where does this come from? I was driving from um, uh, Cork to Dublin once in a rental car, had the radio on, and uh, the announcer played one of her songs. I said, that, that's beautiful. So I stopped uh, in a town on the way, I don't remember the town, and uh, found a record store and looked at, into what I called, and made everybody laugh, the bin, which of course means something different here, and uh, found her uh, CDs and bought every one of them based on one song. And later, I wrote her a letter and told her the little story, and and she made the big mistake of writing me back. And right then became a great relationship. Uh, I sponsored her at a party at the Irish Embassy in Washington once, and also uh, introduced her to the great Marvin Hamlish, who invited her to sing at an all-Irish show at the Kennedy Center. Uh, at the first time, I think, that she ever sang with a full orchestra and didn't have her band with her. She was terrific. Let's hear a little bit of No Frontiers. And if life is a barroom which we must wait Round the man with his fingers On the ivory gates Where we sing until dawn Of our fears and our faiths And we stack all the dead men And so Mary Black there with No Frontiers. Putting a smile in Cal Thomas's face again. Yeah, I love her music. Uh, tell you a quick story. Um, on one of her trips to the Washington area, she would frequently play a, a little joint in Alexandria, Virginia called the Birchmere. And uh, one night I invited uh, Senator Ted Kennedy and his wife, who were friends, uh, to come and to uh, hear her. And so you should have seen the audience when I walked in with Ted Kennedy and heads were snapping everywhere. But I uh, took him backstage afterwards to meet Mary and her husband, Joe, and uh, she was so thrilled and it was such a great evening and he, uh, he enjoyed it so much. It was a lot of fun. Frank Sinatra is your other favorite singer, I believe. Frank Sinatra is probably, along with Tony Bennett, the two greatest male American singers uh, in modern history. I would say Ella Fitzgerald on the female side. These were people who sang what is known as the Great American Songbook, classic works by the Gershwins, Rodgers and Hammerstein, um, all of the great songwriters. Their enunciation was perfect. You could hear every word. You could dance to a lot of it. I remember one night Frank Sinatra was on uh, Johnny Carson's show, The Tonight Show on NBC, and Johnny asked one of the great questions. He said, Frank... Millions of people have fallen in love listening to your music. Who do you listen to to fall in love with? That was a perfect question. The audience went wild. Very funny. I don't even remember the answer. It doesn't matter. The question was great. Let's hear a little bit of Frank Sinatra. Come fly with me. Oh. 
Let's fly, let's fly away If you can use some exotic booze There's a bar in far Bombay Come fly with me Let's fly, let's fly away Come fly with me Let's float down to Peru In Lama Land There's a one-man band And he'll toot his flute for you Come fly with me Let's take off in the blue Once I get you up there Where the air is rarefied We'll just fly starry-eyed Once I get you up there I'll be holding you so near Frank Sinatra, come fly with me. We need to take a break. We're learning so much about Cal <laughs> Thomas in his choices in the Culture Club and we'll be back with movies and plays and books and television after we've had the traffic. Welcome back to the Culture Club here on The Last Word and Today FM. And of course, it's The Last Word's favourite American, Carl Thomas, who is with us today shortly in advance of his landmark 80th birthday. And he is smiling at that as well. Okay, a movie which is an annual Christmas classic. And we're only a few weeks away from Christmas. You've gone for It's a Wonderful Life. Why so? I think it has every value I care about. You have the figure George Bailey, played wonderfully by Jimmy Stewart, who gives up so many things to other people. He has these great dreams. He wants to go see the world. He wants to travel. He wants to get out of this little town and and away from the Bailey buildings and loan. And, and his father dies of a heart attack, and he has to take over. And his brother goes off to war, and he's he's stuck there. And, and, and he's... he's uh, in conflict with this guy who wants to take over the entire town. And he has basically taken it over, except he just hadn't been able to get his hands on the Bailey buildings alone. And and uh, and it's a wonderful, wonderful film. And of course, it winds up with George's brother flying back in a snowstorm to be with him after he is saved from bankruptcy by all the people that he helped in that little town. And his brother says... To George, my brother, the luckiest man in the world, no one who is a failure who has friends. Is that the great socialist movie? So <laughs> <is it? laughs> no, the people gave voluntarily. It didn't go through government. <laughs> Let's hear a clip in which James Stewart playing George uh, tells Mary, played by Donna Reed, about all his dreams for the future. Mary, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and next year and the year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and I'm going to see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm coming back here and go to college and see what they know. And then I'm going to build things. I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers a hundred stories high. I'm going to build bridges a mile long. Were you going to throw a rock? Hey, that's pretty good. What'd you wish, Mary? Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? tonight can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? Dance by the light of the moon. 
would you wish when you threw that rock? Oh, no. Come on, no. tell me. If I told you, it might not come true. What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, Mary. I'll take it. Then what? Well, then you could swallow it. And it all dissolve, see? And the moonbeams that shoot out of your fingers and your toes and the ends of your hair. Am I talking too much? Yes. Why don't you kiss her instead of talking at her death? How is that? Why don't you kiss her instead of talking at her death? Want me to kiss her, huh? Oh, youth is wasted on the wrong people. It's a wonderful life. You've already told us what your favourite show is, haven't you, My Fair Lady? Mm. But tell me a little bit more about it. Well, uh, there's a story in uh, the book Act One uh, by Moss Hart, who was the director of that film. And the story goes that Rex Harrison, who, of course, played Henry Higgins in the Broadway show and in the film, uh, didn't like Julie Andrews. She was only uh, 19, 20 years old. Her only previous experience in New York was a musical called The Boyfriend. Actually, she, uh, her roommate at the time was Barbara Streisand, a pretty much unknown uh, singer and actress at the time. Boy, did that change. And uh, so he took her away for a long weekend and basically created Eliza Doolittle in her. Uh, the whole scenario of someone from the lowest class in life rising to the top is a great American story. Americans identify with this, we used to call Horatio Alger stories. You start out in bad circumstances, maybe in poverty, maybe you had an alcoholic parent, maybe you dropped out of school early, and then through hard work and uh, living up to a, a certain common value system, you rise to the top. And in the moment in the film, when Audrey Hepburn, who played uh, Eliza Doolittle, comes down the steps with that tiara and that incredibly beautiful long dress on, and you compare that to what Rex Harrison, Henry Higgins, called a gutter snipe. Uh, look at her, a prisoner of the gutter, condemned by every syllable she utters. By right, she should be taken out of hung for the cold-blooded murder of the English tongue. And you go from that to high society. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a wonderful uh, life. <laughs> Let's have a clip from it in which Professor Higgins, played by Rex Harrison, and Colonel Pickering, played by Wilfred Hyde-White, train Eliza Doolittle, played by Audrey Hepburn, with speech exercises to break her Cockney accent. The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain. I can't! I'm so tired! I'm so tired! God's sake, Higgins, it must be three o'clock in the morning. Do be reasonable. I am always reasonable. Eliza, if I can go on with a blistering headache, you can. I've got an headache too. Oh, here. I know your headaches. I know you're tired. I know your nerves are as raw as meat in a butcher's window. Think what you're trying to accomplish. Just think what you're dealing with. The majesty and grandeur of the English language is the greatest possession we have. 
The noblest thoughts that ever flowed through the hearts of men are contained in its extraordinary, imaginative and musical mixtures of sounds. And that's what you've set yourself out to conquer, Eliza. And conquer it, you will. My fair lady, what about books and authors? You've nominated David McCullough for us, who died earlier this year. Mm. Tell us about him. He uh, was one of my favorite writers of history. He wrote in a narrative style, much like I tried to do. And he makes history come alive. You feel like you're in the room with the people he's writing about, whether it's the Wright brothers or Harry Truman or the founders of America in his, novel, in his book, 1776. Uh, just a brilliant writer, and along with people like Doris Kearns Goodwin and uh, others, the modern historians. Now, my history classes in college were boring to me because it was mostly about memorizing dates and places and uh, treaties and, and the rest. And it seemed to me dull and dead white males and, and that sort of thing. But when writers like McCullough uh, came along, I just began reading everything I could get my hands on because it made the history come alive for me. And more than that, uh, it made it relevant, I think, to contemporary times because, as the saying goes, if you don't learn history, you're doomed to repeat it. There's nothing new under the sun, really. You may change clothes, you may change prime ministers or, or Taoiseachs or uh, presidents or whatever, but human nature never changes. Talk to me about television. What you grow up with? Well, I grew up in black and white television in the 1950s, uh, and uh, I worked in it, of course, in the early 60s after I became color. Uh, we called it living color at NBC, as opposed to dead color, I guess. But the variety shows, uh, you mentioned Dinah Shore earlier. She had a very popular uh, television show, uh, Jackie Gleason who, of course, uh, for audiences here, might be remembered uh, for the movie The Hustler, and uh, along with Paul Newman. And uh, these were very, very funny shows. And, of course, Gleason uh, helped create the highly popular show called The Honeymooners with uh, Audrey Meadows and uh, Art Carney and uh, Joyce Randolph, uh, which uh, ran for a couple or three seasons, but uh, was hugely popular and still is today in reruns. He you, was a very funny man. Do you watch much television now? Not so much. Uh, you know, I like to say I worked in TV most of my life. I don't need to watch it anymore. But, I, you know, I watch the news, and, uh, and uh, my wife and I usually uh, watch uh, Wheel of Fortune and uh, maybe a Netflix movie at night. Usually we like the British series, you know, Midsummer Murders and uh, uh, some of the other uh, uh, British uh, and even Irish uh, mysteries and detectives. Uh, we enjoy that a lot. I'm going to finish, Cal, with a sort of a hidden treasure, a sort of a cultural buried treasure, anything that you'd recommend to anyone. And I believe you want to go for somebody you mentioned earlier alongside Frank Sinatra, Tony Bennett. I met Tony uh, in the mid-60s in a, uh, the late-night uh, announcer at the NBC local radio station uh, had a sponsor, a boat sponsor, and he said, uh, Tony's in town and he's going to go out in the boat, would you like to go and uh, would like to meet him? I said, yeah, and I have a great picture, and he signed it for me. A wonderful man, and uh, unfortunately, he has Alzheimer's now, but he could turn a phrase in a song like few others. And I, you know, he was, Frank Sinatra said he was, he, Tony Bennett, was Frank's uh, favorite singer, which is high praise indeed. What about his duets? 
Uh, yes. Uh, later in his career, he did a lot of terrific duets with uh, the likes of Lady Gaga. I mean, their Lady is a Tramp, I think, is a wonderful recording. Michael Bublé, Willie Nelson, and the late Amy Whitehouse. Let's hear a little bit of Tony Bennett with Amy Winehouse on Body and Soul. Mm. I can't believe it. It's hard to conceive it. As you turn away romance oh. Are you pretending Tony Bennett and Amy Winehouse finishing off Cal Thomas's Culture Club, proving Cal there's an awful lot more to you than just politics, isn't there? That's right, Matt. Uh, I only look superficial. Deep down, I have substance, just like you. <laughs> and a happy 80th birthday to you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, I think. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today and-